Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a Forest. I'm Jackie Cation, the host of the Dork Forest. You know my uh, websites, I bet. JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com, which I continue to pay for because it's it made me laugh. And I don't know how to get rid of it now. Does it still make me laugh? It kind of still does. Uh, the credits, let's do them. Mike Rickberg composed and sang the song in the beginning of the show. He sang with his wife, Sarah. He will sing his words to the Mexican hat dance after the program at the end of the show. Uh, Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio and Vilmos, uh, just redid my website, jackiecation.com. And speaking of which, the Amazon banner, which is under the support the show, um, link on the, when you go to jackiecation.com, you click support the show and you can either donate, regular donation, uh, applies. If you like the show, please do donate. And there's also a, a banner or a, a, a portal into Amazon and it is the Amazon Amazon banner, where you just order from Amazon and the Dork Forest gets a kickback. Well, I was told by a fan that it was kind of a pain. Do Are other people finding it a pain to use the Amazon banner? And email me if if so. And I don't I don't know what Vilmos can do about it, but we can look into it. Jackie at JackieCation.com. Those are the two things you can do on JackieCation.com. DorkForest.com has, it should have the teaser clip. It'll have the notes with the credits. It'll have the episode that you can listen to. Links to download it, links to iTunes, links to the store. The store is back at JackieCation.com where you can get Dork Forest t-shirts or Ranger of the Dork Forest t-shirt or Spooky Reading Girl t-shirts, which is uh, my stand-up t-shirt. You can also see where I'm doing stand-up this week on my schedule. This week, I'm actually going to a Toledo, Ohio comedy festival on Friday, and then the All-Jane Comedy Festival in Portland on Saturday and Sunday, where I'm going to do a lot of comedy, obviously. And then in Portland, I'm going to do a Live Dork Forest. So, Live Dork Forests are kept on the Bandcamp page. Those are $2 a piece because they cost me some money to do them. And so I pass that non-savings on to you. Feel free. There's also a bunch of free stuff. What is it? I think it's thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Anyway... Other than that, um, yeah, come and see me do comedy, and let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. I'm back in my living room here in Van Nuys. It's pretty exciting. And I'm here with a guy that interviewed me for his podcast. It's Stuart Goldsmith. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. It's great and to be here. And it's called Comedians Comedian. That's right. And Comedians, comedians plural, comedian. Dot com is the website for the podcast, but it's on iTunes and, and yeah, normal places yes, to yes. get it. And it's at ComComPod on Twitter. That's and true. And Stuart, you are it, – it's such a great podcast Thank about you. comedy because of the amount of research that you're willing to do. I, I, yeah. I, tell people, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, you listen to all of my albums. Yeah. The, uh, I, I don't want to. The, the, so. the market, I think, for comedy interview shows is, as we know, oversubscribed. And so anything you can do to make yourself stand out is important. You have right. a brilliant angle. I have – what the I try and do forest, yes. is uh, I try to – I have two things that separate me. Uh, one is the point of the show is it's like a forensic examination of how people write their material. 
and then it becomes a forensic examination of whether or not they're happy and whether the <laughs> sacrifices they made worked out for them. It gets very psychological. Was it psychological. all worth it? Yes, yeah, exactly. Was it all that. worth it? One of my favourite questions is, mm-hmm. what does it cost? Yeah. And was that worth it? You I know? remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So so that's one of the angles. But then also, because there are other people you know, nipping at my heels in that kind of territory mm-hmm. as well, or people at whose heels I am nipping, Yeah. Um, the, uh, the other thing I try to do is huge amounts of research because the most exciting moments for me are when I can challenge someone on their preconceptions of themselves. Right. And not for the sake of an argument, but no. for the sake of saying, well, you say that, but I've always thought this. And you and said what do you in think- 2008, well, this bit of material, that joke seems to come from this place or that place. Right. So I really over-prepare and get very tense. It's, well, <laughs> and it's, it's, it's kind of beautiful because it, it gives you sort of, it, or, or gave me, the comedian's, comedian's comedian uh, really gave me an overview of my whole act. You know, because you had listened to all of it in yes. a row. And so it was, and so nice work is what I guess. Yeah, I'm thanks. Well, well thank you. I remember describing you as, uh, you're the, the champion of the sort of beleaguered nerds <laughs> and the champion of the outsiders. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go to bat. I'll go to bat for a dork, a safe space dorks for us. Cause, and, um, Andy, my husband, very excited about your dork. Oh yeah. Way. He's a little disappointed. He's teaching, uh, game design 101 over okay. at this, uh, local, uh, uh, sort of tech school or trade school. And, uh, he was like, Oh, you, well, you guys are going to talk about game mechanics because he liked the idea that you wanted to talk about story in game. Yes. And, and then your favorite, one of your favorite board games, I've played it once that, um, the zombie one, dead of winter, dead of winter. Oh my God. Right. So what I've only played it once. I like the idea of that story yes. mechanic, but let's explain first of all, what, what you like about – because you genuinely you, – you want to play a game that has a good story to it. Is that what it well, is? Well, it, it's a number of things really. I, I, I don't exclusively play story-driven games. But I suppose – and there's probably – and Andy will know. I'm sure there's probably better terms for these. There's more accurate terminology. But what I say when I mean game mechanics is just the way – you know the first time you played something like uh, Pandemic? Mm-hmm. Whereby, oh, yeah. Where you went, oh, it's all of us versus the game. Yes. That throws such a spanner in the works of what you you expect from a game. Yes. That initially my eyes lit up. I was like, oh, my God, that's like a whole new way of doing it. Imagine if it was all of you versus Monopoly, which yeah. it should be. Which it totally <laughs> – which it is in real life. Yeah, so, exactly Jesus. right. Yeah. Um, so, so that's an interesting mechanic or a mechanism. That's like a, a really good – uh, like that was a very evocative kind of, oh my God. And, uh, so there are others, like, uh, there's a game called Spyfall where you're trying, that's a whole different thing. Is that where, a James Bond one or no? It's, it's, it's not linked to James Bond. Okay. It's a, a loosely sort of spy based game. game. But that's a game whereby one of you is a spy and the others don't know and it's randomly determined by cards. Someone okay. gets a spy card. Everyone else that round gets a, a, an identical card of a location. Okay. Such as like, we're all at the circus. Right. And then without revealing whether you're the spy or not, everyone has to ask each other questions. Like, so, um, uh, how long have you been working here? And, and you're trying to, the spy, when he asks those questions, is trying to give the impression he knows what the place is, same as everyone, and is passing oh, the time of day. Know. And the other people are trying to catch out the spy, and the spy is trying not to be caught out. So you might, if the thing is the circus, you might kind of go, so how did you get here? And if someone knows it's the circus, they might go, well, I was born into it. And, if right. the, and so if the spy man- manages to say something like that or take a risk, then they might get away with it for that round. Oh, right. And he, so he, the spy wins by guessing. He goes, it's the circus. Because if you just go, so have you met the lion tamer? Right. It's, it's a dead giveaway. So it's a very finely balanced. Oh, so you have to sort of, you want to answer the questions in sort of a cryptic manner so exactly. you don't give it away. Exactly. You don't say, well, I ran away to join it. Yeah, because and- if you said that, then the spy could be sitting at the table and go, 
Because oh, the spy the might not be the questioner or the questionee that yeah. round. They might yeah. go, oh, oh, it's clearly the circus. I was the spy. I win. Is it? Is it? Is spy? Is uh, Spyfall uh, the one where? Um, it, is it just the one round, kind of like apples to apples? There are. I haven't played that one. I've heard of it. I've okay. not played that. But um, there are. I think there's something like thirty or something thirty-five. In individual Ziploc bags right. with seven identical cards and a spy card. In oh, each okay. One. okay. So, so each time you play it, it's completely, you randomly generate which location and there's a ton of locations. And there's a, but you're playing the one location and. Yeah, per and round. You might go, round. okay, this, this round is, I think there's a timer. It's eight minutes tops okay. per round. And then, and then you just, you talk amongst yourselves for eight minutes. Yeah. To, and the spy is trying to figure out and everyone else is trying not to give it away. Exactly. But let everybody know. And what if they, ch- they figure out who the spy is before the spy? You can accuse the spy at any time, but obviously if you accuse then, the wrong person, then the spy wins that round. Oh, the spy wins the round. So there's only one accusation. And is, when you're using the word round, is that a British thing where, is that the whole game? Oh no! Well, if you might say, okay, let's play five rounds. And okay. Tot up the tot up the points afterwards. Oh, so you, oh, and and you pick you pick five little baggies. Five baggies, Got exactly. It. Okay. Yeah, and and in each round, a different person will be the spy. Fair enough. Because yeah, it yeah, will be randomly. I mean, I argue it, it could, could be, it could be the same person. Uh, yes. Oh, By which time round like four, then we go. Game. It's me again. Can we redeal? Because I don't we... want to be the spy. <laughs> 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 and then you get dealt the spy again, and you keep your mouth shut. And oh, uh, wow. exactly. <laughs> so, but this isn't. None of this is about Dead of Winter. But I'm just trying to to illustrate when you when you come across something that has a an interesting approach to the whole idea of a game. It's like I don't know if you've seen Stranger Things on Netflix, but you know they've they've got this. D&D type, yeah, hero yeah. quest type board. And then they realize, without giving too much away, that yeah. there is a thing by which they wipe the, the pieces off the board, turn it upside down and go, mm-hmm. oh, it's like this. Anything like that has a frisson for me that I go, I haven't even considered it like this. Right, it's right. so exciting. So the basic setup of Dead of Winter, for those that don't know, is you have... Now, I, I've managed to get the explanation of the rules down to 15 minutes, and that is going at a lick. So I oh, would, wow. I'll simplify even further. <laughs> that, that would be if we were playing, I, I could I could get you nice. match ready in 15. I, I really like explaining things. Um, but you have a number of locations, one of which is the colony where your post-apocalyptic survivors live. You're, it's, right. It's in winter. It's like a compound. It, it's a compound. Yeah. And it's uh, the zombie apocalypse has happened. Where it's yes. like you come in in much the same way as the very beginning of Walking Dead. He wakes yes. up, it's already going on. So there's six locations, like a gas station, police station, school, library, and so on. And that's the board. The board has got these different locations. Yes. And then there are something like 30 playable characters, and you each start with two. You randomly generate with cards. They are interesting characters with interesting names, brilliantly drawn in such a way as you go, oh, this one, you never go, this one's clearly a good guy. You go, oh, is is he heroic or is he sort of malevolent looking? Yeah, the art is kind of ambiguous. Yeah. Very deliberately ambiguous, I think. So that you go, oh, this kid, he's like a student, but is he the kind of student that will kind of race hot rods and knife you? Or is he the sort of student (laughs) who's like, just looks a bit tough, but actually a good guy? Each of them have uh, two characteristics, their ability to search for things and their ability to fight things. Right. And uh, each of them also has one special ability, which might be linked to a place the student's ability i think is the strongest in the game which is to mimic the ability of whoever he's with oh okay. but someone might say when you're when this character is in the library because they grew up in the library they're, they're the bookworm type yeah, character yeah. they're able to search twice as efficiently twice in the library. oh right that, that sort of thing yeah that kind of random the game is trying to kill you in every possible way <laughs> you start off you as a, as a variety of different missions of mm-hmm. killing a certain number of zombies trying to get a certain number of there's various you've got to go get uh, supplies if I remember you have correctly. to get supplies so yeah. that's there are different types of supplies there's uh, junk there's uh, fuel 
food and medicine okay. and those can all be used for different things it's too numerous to get into and um, but you find them there's a deck of cards on each of the six locations yeah. not, not in the compound not in the colony so you have to go somewhere brave the zombies there even traveling you have to roll a, there's one one i mean there's lots lots of d6 for like you spend d6 you right. start off with three you roll them you go okay i can do three things this this turn all oh, right if you you get three, you, you get a, a, a six-sided die for each action you can do, kind of. Uh, you get a, a three-sided die for each person that you control, which is two okay. to begin with, unless anyone dies. Or you you can easily meet many other people along the way. Followers, they join your party. You get a dice for them, and you might okay. find yourself. You might be playing a game where two people, two players are controlling two people each, and one player is controlling six people. Okay, and has much more. Oh, much interesting. More yeah, yeah. So there is an advantage to finding other people along the way, but it's also a disadvantage because every round you have to feed everybody, and you right. have to clear the waste out of the compound and if that overflows morale goes down and it, I mean the game is just trying to kill you in every possible way every time you move from the colony to a location or yep. back or location to a location you have to roll a 20 sided dice and there is a possibility that you will be injured or frostbitten and there is one symbol of a tooth like a molar yeah. uh, floating <laughs> and if you, if you roll that you're immediately dead and there's no way to stop it Oh, you just die. If you roll the tooth uh, <laughs> icon on that one, it's got a one in 20 chance you're immediately dead. You've got no way to stop it. There's no comebacks. And if that character is in a room with other characters, there yeah. is a bite effect where it chains and you might, you get bitten, you immediately bite the person next to you. They have to roll the dice. Oh my God. So it, it, it's just terrifying. Now, there are two other things that make the game what it is. Like that, that's a great idea. It's enjoyable. I'd enjoy playing that. So. Right. One of the, one of the mechanisms of the game is that everyone has, like, you, you all have a kind of a group super objective. Okay. Which okay. is kill 20 zombies before time runs out. There's a oh, okay. marker, you know, different days. Oh, does that, does the, does the objective, can it change? Um, that's or, an interesting question. Uh, no, no, there's one, uh, immutable. There's usually a, a it's the, it's the group project. It's sort the group like, project. Sort of like pandemic, cure these things. Yeah, absolutely. And be right. done. Okay. Yes. But within that, then everyone has a secret personal objective. Oh, that's right. Okay. So you can win the game whilst losing your personal objective. What you really want to do is win both. Right. Your personal objective might be something like finish the game with the most number of followers. Okay. Or finish the game with the most amount of food cards in your hand concealed from the rest of the group. And in order to achieve that, when you as a team are working like, okay, this round we have to get a certain amount of food, otherwise this terrible thing happens, Mm -hmm. um, you might know that you've got three food cards in your hand and you go, "Mm, I I just don't have any food. (laughs) And people may get suspicious. But that's okay because you're all working together. Right. Not necessarily, because one of these secret mission cards may Mm -hmm. or may not be a traitor card whereby your your secret objective is to make sure that you as a team lose the game. Oh, so, weird. So someone might is be a traitor. Is that an expansion set or is no, that no, no, the original? No, no, comes with the game. Okay. Someone might be the traitor or they might not because the way you do it, it's very simple. If there's five players, say, I think you can do five, um, you get uh, two uh, super, not super, two uh, secret mission cards per player. So that's ten of those. Okay. And to those ten, you add one traitor card. You shuffle them all together and everyone picks one. Okay. So you don't know whether there even is a traitor. Right. So it fosters this incredible, this is what I mean about the narrative. Yeah, yeah. This sense whereby, oh, Jackie's, I think Jackie's hoarding food. Is that? Are you hoarding let's, food? Let's yeah. start keeping an eye on the moves Jackie's making and let's not let her know that we've noticed that. Okay. At the same time, someone might be going, I think Jackie's hoarding food because they're the traitor and they're secretly hoarding oh, medicine and they want to throw everyone off. Or, Someone, neither of those things might be happening and everyone's <laughs> working together. And when you accuse someone, are you sure you're not the traitor? Man, I wouldn't do that to you. And they right, genuinely wouldn't. together. But just like in the actual zombie apocalypse, what uh-huh. have we learned from The Walking Dead is it's not the zombies you have to fear, it's each other. Right, right. So this wonderful sense. So that's one mechanism. And the other one, which I think is 
I believe it's a crossroads thing. This is this is a crossroads game. That's their some sort of branding strand for okay. the game, um, which is a brilliant way of keeping people engaged when they've just had their go. Because we all know what that's like in any board game. You complete right. your go and you go, oh, oh I was concentrating on that. Yeah. I'm done. In this one. And you check your phone. Exactly right. So. In, in this game, there is a huge stack of uh, yellow crossroad cards. And every time someone uh, finishes their go, they conclude their turn, the next person goes. And that person takes a yellow crossroads card, which has a set of um, conditions in italics at the top of the card. It's full of text. Okay. And it will say something like, if such and such a character is in play... Okay. During this game, or if this, if the player who's playing m- searches the library this go, read the following conditions. Okay. So you're looking at it thinking, is this, could this happen? Is that person still in play? Is that person dead? Wait, this is still the, de- this is still the vampire, the zombie game. Yes, yes. I forgot about that crosswords. So when you're done with it's your It's very turn, easy to forget to use them in the game because they're, right. you know, because you're used to doing it, but your last move in your turn is to go, okay, you'll go and pick up a crossroads card. That's right. Because that, what that means then is there are narrative elements which intrude into the game. And there's a huge number of these cards. Yeah. And because you only need to read the italics, we made a sort of pact, me and my yeah. brother, when we first got the game. We're not going to read any further than that, so that if such and such a character isn't in play at the moment, we don't know what that. You card don't know what's going to happen. It can come up later on. Yeah. So, so one of one of the most exciting ones is Daft, but there's a little dog <laughs> called Sparky. Everyone's a human apart from one character is a dog called Sparky, the okay. stunt dog, a fun little guy. And uh, <laughs> and if Sparky is in play on a particular card, yep. One of his cards, he may have several. I'm not used up all of them. I don't think just yet. Um, is that he might get equipped with a gun. <laughs> so he's got like a, a kind of mouth. Someone, someone finds a workshop and they go, Hey, come here, Sparky. You know, right. so, and, and the other thing is you really want the, the person with the crossroads card. If the conditions are met, they go, oh, oh, okay, stop. I think this has happened. And you then want to, you want them to oh, read right. it out with as much kind of portent and performance right, as possible. Play it. Play yeah. it up. Play and it really, it it's designed to help you do that. It's, you know, it's this, you know, quote marks around certain things. You, yeah. You wait and you notice what, what is that? Oh, you know, your days are numbered. But then, and then there's, <laughs> there's a choice at the end. So it might say all players who are currently in the colony with Sparky right. have to decide whether or not they think he's rabid. Right. Or, or what, you know, the, right, right. If the student is in play. There's a, there's a fantastic character. Arguably slightly racially insensitive. I think he's <laughs> one of the only Asian characters in the in the game, and he's but, called Mike Cho, and yeah. his occupation is ninja. Ninja. <laughs> well, the thing is, is first of all, there are no people of color in the damn board games usually. Right? Yes. There's usually it's uh, it's it's so it leans it lends itself it to really so many white guys. Yeah. And then they, they there are loads of women. I they, think it's right, an even they added split. a bunch of they've added recently. People are like, we're gonna do women. We're gonna we're gonna yes. try and do it. Yes. And now the fact that they're adding it is they could give them, but any job that you could you could go and go. Oh, he's a computer operator, is he? Yeah. Oh, is he is he driving? Because yeah. there's a bunch of hack comics who do a bunch of stuff about Asian drivers, and you're like. You're, we're all over, to some extent, you're overthinking it. If it were, um, you know, he owns a Chinese restaurant. Well, that might be a little, a little on the nose, buddy. Yeah. And so Ninja might be a little on the nose, but who cares? It's, uh, I mean, it's I'm, nice there to may have be another Asian character as well. There's certainly at least one black character. There's a guy who's a park ranger. He's a good solid character. Anybody but, handicapped? Given. Anybody um, deaf? Uh, there is. It's gonna happen. <laughs> I don't know about anyone deaf. <laughs> there is one character who is, uh, called, uh, what's his name? Plum, something Plum, and uh, he Colonel Plum. He is a, no, he's, a, he's he's a mall Santa is his job, and he's an alcoholic. And his special power oh. is remove him from the game at any time to increase morale by one because <laughs> he's such a drag to have around. <laughs> but like, if you've only got two characters, you don't want to get rid of him. But right, because you know. you, every character gives you extra die. 
Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. Got it. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. Given the number of characters there are, there could be way more non-white characters. And it's a right. little bit like when, have you seen the Lego movie? Yeah. So a friend of mine pointed out to me that the Lego movie is not very feminist. There are only three female characters. One of them is a hysterical unikitty. One of them is the wild side, whatever her name is, who yeah. does everything her boyfriend tells her. And the other one is the little girl at the end who ruins it all. Right. Well, but the thing what is, is wild child or whatever her, her, and cause I loved, I did love that movie and I saw it twice, but I can't remember. I think her name ended up being like Samantha or something. Remember okay. she tells her real name at the end of it? Yes. It's, there was, there was a little bit of, uh, disappointment in when people saw it. They were like, well, why isn't she the chosen one? Yeah. Because she can do everything already. She's already a master builder. Yes. Why does it have to be Larry? Yes. You know, and, and what particularly rankled was it's Lego. There doesn't need to be any gender in Lego. There doesn't all. need to be any sexism. Right. You could easily have half <laughs> of those characters it. be female. Just do it. And what it speaks to is that the people making it didn't think about it. No. They just didn't think about it. And that's right. the worst. That's when you spot it in your own life. When someone goes, oh, but you did that, you know, with podcast guests, for example. Right. And someone goes, oh, a lot of, lot of white guys there. And you go, oh, Jesus, there are, because I've just been getting my friends. And, and I mostly most of know my friends are white, white guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, in stand-up comedy, it's a huge thing where, where you'll talk to somebody who, um, like, black guy comics that I know happen to know more black guy comics. Yeah. And I happen to know more women comics. Yep. And, um, you just, you, it, it isn't, it's what it is. And so you have to make an effort to get out of your own head. And, um, and, and the only time that we all do it is when somebody's famous. Yeah. We're like, no, I'm going to get that guy, even though he is uh, nothing like me, but he's famous and it's going to help. Yes. Cause he's on my radar. And if you aren't paying attention to your radar, it's very easy to just right. go. Right. So you have things. to be aware. So when, when people do make these games, it is, it's great to, it's good that it's, that people are aware that, that you've got to look around you. Absolutely. It's, it's somebody was talking about how, why somebody on Facebook? That's where it all happens, you guys. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about if you're a white guy booking a show, um, try to try to don't make sure that you add women and people of color. How about you add a white guy? Yeah, just yeah, get yeah, everybody absolutely. else and then add Stop a white. Treating guy. women and people of color as special acts, right? Who are like a genre in their own right. And you let's have three white guys and one woman. We've done our job. You've no, done, you haven't done your job. How about just one white guy yep. and you get everybody else to whatever? Even though you know, and I'm sympathetic to the to everybody who does stand up comedy because it's it's hard for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, as a white guy, you're, nobody's handing you twenties under the table. Mm-hmm. It but it feels like that from afar. That's yep. what it looks like, but it's. It's just, it's hard. It's, something, hard, it's something, a hard career. Something came up recently. I came to a, a realization recently that, uh, was quite apposite, I think. I, um, I was told by an industry professional that, I uh, the reason you can't get on this show is just, you know, this, you know, if you were, it was a words tantamount to, if you were black, if you were minority ethnic, oh, you right. could get on this TV show. And obviously that to me, my first, my most immediate reaction is, oh, God, it's unfair. And then I suddenly thought, how many white guys have they said that to? It's Mm -hmm. not like I'm the only white guy and they're going, well, we're going to have to tell Stu because he's not black. They must have said that to a hundred white guys. Right. So it's not like if there was no black person available to fill that slot, it would be me. It would be one of the other 99 white guys in the pack. Right. But you don't think about that. No one ever makes that explicit. You have to have your eyes open and go, Oh yeah, yeah. The fact that I, I'm not being held back from that job because I'm not black or minority ethnic. No. I'm just being held back from that job because there is only one job 
And there's an awful lot of people that want right. to do and, it. And when you watch the show, it's still going to be four white guys. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're yeah, like, well, that is sadly true. Yes, it's, absolutely. Well, it's it's not like you're, you're the 99th white guy they can't book. That's exactly that's exactly yeah. the point I was you're trying like, to make. That's yeah. perfectly put. Yes. So, but it's it. But you just hear, oh, you can't book me because I'm white. Right. And you're like, no, you're the 99th white guy. <laughs> you're, you're the, we picked the first four. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> then there was yep. another hundred. Yep. And I'm very sorry to tell you. That is, that, that to- is 100% right. And yeah. I wish more people would recognize that because that, I mean, I, I say that from having the, from the point of view of someone who recently realized exactly. it. Exactly. And now really wants everyone else to know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but it's true though, because you, you, you're in the water that you're in, you know, you're swimming in the water that you're in. So you don't, you're not really aware of what that water is like. You know, you're used to things being a certain way. Like there's, uh, there's being, being a woman. I, I was re- recent, about a year ago reminded, uh, about, um, there was a, there was a, sh- one of these horrible shootings, uh, here in Santa Barbara. And this guy was a nutbag and, and it was a, it was, he was sick of women not paying attention to him. Yes. I so know he decided to kill people. Uh, hey, don't do that. Uh, just, uh, keep trying. It, it'll be fine. Anyway, uh, and reintroduce yourself to your hand. So, uh, there, there's, there's alternatives. But, uh, but I was reminded that, you know, cause I don't ever think of myself as, as, as a, as a woman. I really, I, I, am a woman and I, I enjoy whatever, but I, but I don't think about the things that I do defensively as yes. a woman because I'm a woman. I mm-hmm. just do them. You know, if it's, if it's late, I uh, try to get someone to walk me to my car. If it's, uh, if I walking back to the hotel and I see a pile of drunk people, I get on the other side of the street because I don't need to, I don't want a confrontation. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to win. And, um, you know, I, I do the things and it's not, it's not anything I'm doing consciously. It's just, uh, since I've been 13, you learn how to live a little defensively. You mm-hmm. know, it's not crazy. I'm not carrying a knife. Uh, but, uh. You have a bow and arrow, Jenny. I do. <laughs> right there. There's my bow and arrow. Yeah, and the quiver. And, uh, and my steampunk fake gun. <laughs> Super fun. Anyway, but, uh, yeah. So, but it, it is, yeah, it's, uh, so in games, there is, I think, an, 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 an obligation to look around. There is as a, much a huge opportunity everywhere. to do that. An, op- an opportunity and an obligation. I think you're right. And I think because, I mean, now board games cafes are springing up everywhere, which is lovely. Yeah. And there's a lot of white men sitting in board games cafes. And it's lovely to see girls in board games cafe, women. Yeah. And it's lovely to see non-white people. But yeah. it would be really, maybe that, that would happen more if the games that were being designed didn't have token Right. People of color and token women, or you had to just speculate and and turn Han Solo into a girl, so yeah. or into a black guy, and so yeah. it's it's whatever it is, it's but it is good, and there's and there is a lot of work I think because uh, you know Andy makes games, and so he spends a fair amount of time trying to talking to people about inclusion and trying to yes. make sure that. It isn't weird and, and just make sure that everybody sure. wants to play mostly because he wants to play games with everyone all yep. the time. Yep. And I, I think, I think <laughs> it's probably true to say, and this is a sweeping generalization, but I would imagine most game designers are white men. And so, so when far, they create a hero, mm-hmm. a hero character for, for any player to pour themselves into, then of course their natural thought would be, well, it's a white guy yeah. because, because that's what I am. And that's what, that's who yeah. I'll relate to. And they worry, I guess, or we worry that, if they, if the lead character in the game was a black girl, 
then 90% of the people who are going to play that game will have, maybe won't play that game because they'll but, have some difficulty. But sell it. Sell it. Sell to, it. Sell it to the black women of the world who wish to play games. Yeah, well, absolutely. But, but I, I think as well as that, yeah. sell it to people. Just trust people to get over themselves yes. enough that it's a good enough game. It's enjoyable and just it do doesn't the game. matter. Just yeah. do the game. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. You know, that, I, I digress again into comedy just because it's, it, I don't, I don't ever want to think that the audience isn't going to get stuff because the audience is smarter than you think. Yep. If you play, if you play to the smartest people in the room, it raises, it's like when you play any game game. Like if you were to play basketball with somebody, if you play basketball with someone who's better than you, your game gets better. Yes. So, yeah, right. So if you, if you have a, have just, yeah, make the game. I mean, but what you said is, is so important. Just make the game fun and then everyone will want to play it. And then yeah. don't worry about, who the character, but your love of the game when the characters, you know, like Pandemic has those five characters and then it has an expansion set. Yes, and, and I believe, I'm sure I read this recently, maybe this is why it's in my head, but the, uh, I believe the box of Pandemic, the new edition, the lead figure is a, a scientist and she happens to be a woman. Oh, there you go. Which is great. <laughs> Which is, right, and uh, I got Pandemic Legacy for Christmas. Oh, I've heard about that. I haven't played it. It's Well, I've only got to play two I, games I love of the it. concept of the Legacy thing. My friends are playing Risk Legacy. So yeah. this is a game where, where it's you play a certain number of games, the board changes, elements are destroyed and removed and permanently altered yes. as the campaign goes on. I, mean, I find that so it's exciting. It's one whole campaign, and you could play the game like 15 times. And then... And and the legacy the legacy theme of games uh, goes for different publishers. It's oh, like, I see. Okay. Because Risk is made by different people that make Pandemic. Oh, that's great! It's like a crossover because yeah. someone, all the game developers, went. This idea is so objectively good, idea, we should all do it. Yes, that's yes. good. So no one owns copyright to Legacy. I think it's a guy. It's oh, a, I would love. A guy I, has uh, it, but he works for different companies. I would love to find out that he said, "No, no, I'm not going to patent this. Yeah. I want to give it to the world." Like Cards Against Humanity, doing that. Oh, just download the game. You know? Yes, yes. Did you uh, the <laughs> Cards Against Humanity? Which I see. Apples to apples. Have you played Cards Against Humanity? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay, so apples to apples is essentially the idea of Cards Against Humanity. Okay. But it's there's a green card in the middle. It's a, a you have a handful of nouns, proper uh-huh. nouns, regular nouns, all the nouns. Uh, in the middle, a descriptive word. The descriptive word can be uh, fuzzy. And in your hand, everyone secretly puts down a card from their hand into the middle. And then the, per- the one person is in charge of the middle card. And they get to pick, like Cards Against Humanity, um, which one's funniest, which one's most literal. Oh, lovely. Well, okay. Whatever their deal is. So if fuzzy is in the, is in the, is in the middle, you secretly put down uh, Moses yep. or fuzz. Yep. Uh, those are both downs. And those are both in the deck. Sure, sure. In, okay. In the, in the deck. So... That is a great game. There's no, there's no story to it. Uh-huh. There's no story, like Cards Against Humanity doesn't have a story. But there's a third game that I believe I've talked about at length, uh, and in my act I'm talking about it because it's my current favorite party game. Oh, it's kind of like Cards Against Humanity and, and, um, it's called Bring Your Own Book. Oh, I love the sound of this. Come on. <laughs> it is the most introverted party game of your life. Okay. So we've played it twice so far and I need to play it again. But what you do is, is, like, like we're set up in a card table in our, in my living room, right? Um, bring your own book has a stack of like green cards. It has a stack of middle, a middle card. Someone is in charge of the middle card. They pick it. They read. There's two different choices of what you can read. You read it. Uh, what is a codicil on, uh, a contract that is, uh, super fine print on a contract? Okay. And everyone has picked a book. Either they are a giant nerd and have brought a book. In they have an emergency book on their person okay. at all times, which I often do. Mm-hmm. Um, or 
we have done this thing where everybody picks a book in the house that they're playing the card in. Okay. So our, our, our living room has many respectable books. Very much so. And these are the books that we are willing to tell people that we read. Secret books, they're in the other rooms <laughs> or whatever. Right? So everybody picked different books. There's classics, there's Harry Potter, there's Lord of the Rings. Everybody picked all the different things. And you say, okay, Codicile, it could be that. Or little known James Bond tattoo. That was another one. Okay. And you, you have everybody starts looking in their books for something that might fulfill that. Ah, okay. That might be funny. That might be interesting. I see. I see. That, so it's a way of playing apples to apples or cards against humanity with books. With books. I understand. And then someone says, "Oh, I got one." And then there's a timer with a minute. Everybody else has another minute to pick. And then you read it. And so there's no secret to it. Mm-hmm. Everyone just reads it. And then the person who's in charge of the middle card picks. Oh, great. Then, okay. But here's the interesting thing: is when you get when you win two of the middle cards. You pass your book to the left. Okay. So the books r- rotate. Nice. You don't ever get your own, the, the same book all the time. And we played it here and we played it at a barbecue and the, the books that the people of, who had the barbecue were all self-help books and gardening books. Oh. So it was hilarious. Oh my God. And yeah, so that the would game work. changes depending what house, what building you're in. That's very what good. books are so Well, that, to me, that, that sort of reminds me of what I was going to say next, which is that we talk about the narrative of games. And yeah. while those games might not have an overt narrative in the sense of a story, um, they, do, they, they do, of course, foster the narrative of the game itself and the way that people within, within one experience of maybe an hour, an hour and a half playing a game with a group of people, people become versions almost like in the same way again with comedians there's your real self and your comic your on stage persona people will grow their own personalities within the game and you'll learn things or well yes or i i suppose just in terms of the story of this particular game like one one example from dead yeah. of winter um there is the narrative of the game which is that uh i i played a fabulous two player round of the game with my brother and we played for nearly two hours. And at the very end, we were one step away from completing the the uh, the quest and both winning. And it got to my final move. And I said, it's my last dice that I'm spending. I'm going to shoot Olivia. And the look <laughs> on his face was wonderful because I had been the traitor all along. And I had worked for the team. And at the very end, I turned around and I shot the doctor with a sniper rifle at point blank range. <laughs> And so that, that's the narrative of the game is that Olivia died, but right. almost the meta narrative of the game is I betrayed my brother. Yes. So in, in that way, if you play a game like, um, for example, Werewolf, have you yeah. played Werewolf? Yes. Oh, it's a yes. wonderful, wonderful game. And, you know, just for the sake of uh, the listener, yeah. um, uh, you are in any group, I think minimum eight people and two people are werewolves. Everyone else is a villager. This is the most basic version right. of the game. No, no cards required. Uh, you, you secretly establish that two of you are werewolves. Mm-hmm. You can communicate with each other. It's night every so often. Everyone closes their eyes. The werewolves can look at each other, pick yeah. a person to murder. And the game is just arguing. Right. The game is just going, mm. I mean, the favorite, favorite thing that comes up when we play it is someone will just go, someone will say, well, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I felt Jackie's arm move next to mine. She might have been mining something. And then someone will immediately say to that person, sounds like werewolf chat to me. You know, and it's just blaming people, blaming people. Right. I've said this to, for some reason, there's been in my mind over the weekend. I've said this to a couple of people socially, but in all honesty, whenever I play werewolf with my friends, yeah. I am such a good liar. I am genuine. I'm a, I'm a nice, I'm genuinely a nice person. I, I'm, I'm empathic and I know what's important to people and I pervert that. I, I exploit that and I am a phenomenal liar. So it is now a house rule that whenever we play werewolf with my friends, you yes. always execute Stu first 
because you, it's just heartbreaking. It's it's better. You to, might as well. You might as well. It's better to, to kill an innocent man than it is to risk the heartbreak of Stu <laughs> getting away with it again. An innocent man. <laughs> oh my god, that's so, hilarious. So in that example, there is the narrative of the game of who is killing, who's a villain, yeah. who's a villager, and then there is the meta narrative of. We've got to kill Stu first. And, you know, the, the, one of the reasons Werewolf <laughs> is so successful is because that game is 90% meta-narrative. Right. And so I think even when you're playing Monopoly, when you're playing Snap, when you're playing uh, Apples to Apples or Cards Quirkle. Against Humanity. Sure. Yeah, there's um, there, what we, the narrative of the people in the room and how they relate to one another and betray each other and people who are, this is one of the things I love about board games. It draws people out of themselves. It doesn't just benefit, you know, we're both outgoing, yeah. socializing, extroverted yes. people. And, uh, and it's great to see someone introverted step out of themselves. It's great to see someone extroverted put, draw right, back right. and be quiet and pay attention. And I, I just love that aspect of it. That, um, That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, um, when I play with my, when I visit, uh, my brother in Milwaukee is, he's got two sons and we've always brought board games and played board games. And these, these two boys, they're, of course, they're brothers and they're, and they're so competitive. They're so, they're just like constantly backstabbing each other. And you're like, can we just play the game? I mean, I know you want to win, but, uh, and they both play their mother against each other. They're like, no, support me. Support me. <laughs> and it's this weird, cause I'm, I don't, uh, that sounds, I get super anxious sometimes in those games where it becomes hyper competitive. Like, cause there's mafia, which is like werewolf, yes, yes. where you're a mob person. And then there's a game called bang, which is, an actual board game, a card game where, mm-hmm. uh, two people are, uh, two people are outlaws, uh, four people are deputies, one person's the sheriff. I mean, like, it gets super complex oh, of yes. all the different, and, and the four outlaws have one project, the two, um, the, or the four deputies have one project, the sheriff has one project, the outlaws have a project, okay. and the renegade, renegades, whatever, and, um, and then there's uh there's something called Cash and Guns. Yes, I've heard I've never played it. I'm really excited about playing it's got it. I really love good, the idea of that. Andy calls it has a really good toy value because okay. uh <laughs> because uh, like De- Dead of Winter is really good toy value in the way that the art is so good. Yes. And you get these characters in stands yes. that you can stare at and it looks really Absolutely. Cool. And if you go down to eye level on the board and kind of peer through and you can always <laughs> do a panning shot and obviously in the background you're playing the uh, Romero soundtracks on the speaker. <laughs> you know, you've got proper music to play it with. Right. Me and my brother play a game called Netrunner. I, I can't really oh. play it with him anymore because he's too good. Um, but, uh, what is it? Is it board oh, game or a okay. video? Let me do, I'll do oh, you, I'll, do, I'll try and condense this because okay. we could talk about that all day. Yeah. The point I was, the link was that, uh, we, it's, it's set in the future. It's a hacking game. Okay. Uh, computer hacking. Oh, wow. And, um, and so we always make sure to, he's, we've got playlists on SoundCloud of electronic music that feels particularly, <laughs> the Blade Runner soundtrack is nice. fantastic for okay. it. Okay. Asymmetrical card game. Most card games are symmetrical. Everyone has access to the same cards. This okay. one is asymmetrical. One of us plays a hacker. One of us plays a corporation. And my job as a corporation, I have an entirely different pack of cards to you. And they are all things I, how can I, I mean, I could tell you all the minutiae. Is it a two person game? Is it only two people? It can only ever be two people. Netrunner. Netrunner. Okay. Oh, and it's love a card it. game. Card okay. game. So I'm the corporation and my job is to take my deck of cards and install my cards into servers and protect those servers with something called ice, which is like intrusion countermeasures, you know, it's going to be right. defensive stuff. So I'll put a card down, face down, and over the game, I will build up more and more face down cards in front of it to prevent you getting to it. Okay. You will build a rig. So you're doing something that looks similar. Right. But what you're doing is you're building a computer 
you're to yeah, get you're building, past it. Exactly. You're you're you have a a computer and you are adding programs and software, and interesting different cards. Oh great, I can install that one for a certain amount of credits. This so, sounds amazing. Oh my god, you're going to love it. <laughs> and so you build up your computer until such time as you're able to break through my countermeasures, but at the same time my countermeasures are increasing. Right. So I win the game by either advancing my agendas, the things in in the in the servers. Right. I kind of I put tokens on them when they're still face down and when I have enough tokens depending on the card I can turn it over and go great that's some points that I've scored right you you score points by breaking through the countermeasures and sneaking snatching away my agenda before it's scored on right. my side I can also win by killing you because some of my it's a very you're gonna you know, kill that virus well yeah. yeah but I can also kill you the person because some of your Ooh. cards require you to be physically jacked in your Johnny Mnemonic style you've got cables coming out of your oh head oh my god you've got a certain number of you can, there's three types of damage you can suffer, and one of them is called, I think there's net damage, something else damage, and then meat damage. And meat damage meat is- Meat damage. Meat damage is wonderful, <laughs> because it's, that's, you hold, you can only ever have five cards in your hand. There are infinite variations, but basically you can have five cards in your hand. And yeah. if I do you meat damage, then it reduces the number of cards in your hand as you become less able to do your job, I because I'm super... frying your brain from mm. afar, and when you lose all of your cards, that's you dead. Wow. So it, I mean, it's going to change your life. And the thing yeah, is, yeah. it's, it's collectible and they keep releasing expansion packs called data oh, packs. Um, all right. But it's not something like magic. Okay. In, it's not magic the gathering because it's not, it's a collectible card game. So everyone has access to the same cards. The cards themselves. Oh, you just buy decks. You just buy, you buy decks. They're you're not, not random. random. You're okay. not getting random ones. And as a result, there's no economy of going, well, if I spend a thousand dollars, I can get this. It's the best card that always wins. Yeah. I, as much as I like magic, that is, uh, such a capitalistic kind oh, of totally. way. It's you're hugely like, unattractive to me. It makes me not interested in the game at yeah. all. I, I like playing it, but I, I don't have anything to prove. Sure. You know, like yeah, I yeah. think I got, uh, I just bought a couple of the new set and, and I got this platinum, uh, angel. Okay. And the Platinum Angel is, a, it's one of these cards that means that nobody can win. Oh, like right. if okay. I, if, if, if I can get it in my deck, right? Yep. And I can get, and if I can play it, mm, I win. Yeah, Either okay. I win or nobody wins. Yeah. Uh, that's what it's, that's what's going to happen. And it's so. Blazoned in a tattoo across the front of the Platinum <laughs> Angel. Either I win or nobody wins. But. So that on a pillow. But coming yeah. to, coming back to narrative. Yeah. One of the wonderful things about Netrunner, besides how finely balanced it is, because even though it's asymmetrical, it's incredibly fair. And it's yeah. very, very hard to just constantly steamroll your opponent because everyone has so many corresponding strengths and weaknesses. Okay. Even with the additional yeah. decks, it's very, very balanced. So these are very powerful cards, but you can only have one or very powerful cards, but it means you have to ditch five others to have it. Got it. It is over, oversimplification. But. The, what I love about it, the cards, beautiful artwork on them. Okay. And they are so narratively linked to their effect on the game. Basically, for the, as far as the mechanics of the game are concerned, the cards could all be blank. And it's just like, right, I've got five X's on that and two Y's on that. Right. Do you know what I mean? If you just saw it in mathematical terms. Yeah, so there is story that perfectly matches up to the thing you're trying to do. One of the things the corporation can do is tag the runner. So one of my countermeasures can put a little blip on you that is the equivalent of uh, me having, uh, well, having bugged your apartment. Right. You know, one of the things you can do is uh, you can, there's, there's a, a thing on the card. I think there's something you can do basically whereby you read what's going on in my, uh, in my servers. And the, the icon is a jade statue of a cat <laughs> on a desk in a corporate office okay. and its eyes are twinkling. And uh-huh. the implication is that you have somehow managed to physically put something in the room that's relaying information back to you. Okay. So there is this whole level whereby 
the story element yeah. perfectly syncs up with what the actual things are doing. You know, you can tunnel underneath my deck and see what's going in there. You can sneak into what? it via a back door. You yeah. can you can bribe someone to come in and, and help you. And it, it, it Those just are perfectly the great, meshed. You know, it's it's interesting because we you know we read these books and then you want to play the game that's attached to the book, right? Yeah. And so like the Harry Potter clue game. Okay. Because Clue, people love Clue sometimes. Yep. They're and like, oh. For anyone listening in the UK, I believe that's Cluedo to us. Oh, but Cluedo. But that's like Colonel Mustard, Professor yep. Plum. Yeah, that's okay, it. so we call that Cluedo. Cluedo. Yeah. And then, um, but but there's a Harry Potter version of that game. Okay. Because in regular Clue or Cluedo is, uh, you can, you can sneak from one corner to the other. There's, there's secret passageways, but they, yes. all, they're very, sta- they're stationary, they're static. In the Harry Potter version of oh, that game, there's you wheels. You can operate. Yeah, there's wheels <laughs> that, that move the, the – because, remember, Hogwarts moves around. The, yes, of the, course. The things change. The okay. staircases move. And uh, and so there's moving staircases. It's just an excellent story, using the story from the book and bringing it into the yes. game. Yes, and what warmth do you then feel towards the designers, the makers of the game? Because you're like, these people care about they this stuff. They get it. I care about. They get it. And it's like well, the first the first time that they tried to fix risk – because Risk is a game that was designed to give me a headache. And mm-hmm. it's sort of like Axis and Allies. I just Yes, no, I, I, lo- I love Risk. I've played lots of it. I have to say I played it again recently. It didn't really hold up in the world of Catan and Dead of Winter and all the rest of it. It was a, it seemed a little basic. Do you know what's great is Lord of the Rings Risk. Lord of the Rings Risk is, uh, first of all, the, the, the ring is moving towards Mordor. Okay. And every, Every turn, somebody re-rolls uh, the bad guy dice, and if you get all box cards, if you get all sixes, oh, game's over. Uh, turns out uh, Sauron got the got the ring. Yeah, right. Okay. And so there's that added element sure. to it, and then there's Minas Tirith, and there's all these different things that have been worked into it that are, and there's cards that that have PowerPoints when you're in Weathertop. So they work the game into the they work the book That's into so the, the narrative of the same book. with Game of Thrones. Have you played the Game of Thrones? No, no. Game? There's a little card game which is a sort of you know it's a branded it's a yeah. fairly generic. No offense, you know it's 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 not inherently about Game of Thrones. And then there is a the board game, which I've only played once. It takes about five hours. Jeez. Played it with a bunch of Kiwi guys, the fan uh-huh. fiction Kiwi guys who are uh, wonderful New Zealand comics who are all into nerdy board games. Oh, cool. And uh, a fabulous high point of the Edinburgh Festival this year for me was uh, a manic cycle across the city to grab uh, Heidi O'Loughlin, a fabulous New Zealand comic, to grab her copy of Dead of Winter so oh. that I could go and introduce my friends to it that I was staying with. <laughs> and she had to do a show and it was like, meet you at the corner, get the keys, run up there, get the thing, run back, drop the off the The greatest theater. drug drop ever. Oh, it was so great I mean, yeah. and completely ethically sound. Yes, <laughs> completely. I love it. So, um, so with that group, a couple of years ago, uh, we played the Game of Thrones game. They all knew how to play it, which if we hadn't, I mean, Netrunner, me and my brothers poured over the instructions for hours until we eventually caved and watched a 20 minute video because it's so unlike anything that we'd right. played before. Game of Thrones, if I hadn't been playing it with people who played it before, I'd have had no chance. But that is something within which there are three, I can't even remember, but it's like there, there's, there's the kind of, the sword the victory and the power victory and right. the kind of the diplomatic victory and all of these things happening at, happening at right. once. The, it's constantly shifting as to who currently has the strongest army, who has the diplomatic skill, who has the will of the people, right. who has magic on their side. All of these things are constantly wow. swirling and shifting. And it's, it's just brilliant. It's sometimes, a, the, yeah, I have a hard time. It's, it's because, uh, 
Andy's super metagamer, right? Like he's, he's, I don't even know if I'm using that word right, but he, he likes, he's a gamer's gamer, right? So he wants to play. By the way, I am talking with a uh, Stuart Goldsmith, by the way, and it's at comcompod and it's comedianscomedian.com. That's correct. Is your podcast. Thank you. And just so everybody knows that, because we are deep down a rabbit hole. Yeah, no, some, we absolutely are. We absolutely board are. Game I, have, I have to say, if you're enjoying this kind of, cause I know your listeners, they will particularly, if they're going to check out the podcast, yeah. I would recommend a recent episode, which I hope will go out next week. Uh, which is with Tim Minchin. Oh, right. Um, because he wrote the book and lyrics for Matilda, the musical. Yeah. And we talk about that in depth and as well as his other kind of atheist and various highfalutin business. Fair enough. And uh, I really think th- those ones in particular will appeal to listen. Anyone that's enjoying the board game thing is yeah. going to love the Minchin. Right. Excellent. The Minchin <laughs> episode. So, but it's, it's sometimes the games get too fiddly for me because I like a simple game mechanic Absolutely. sometimes. Yes. When there's an overthink and, Andy's been working on all these games, but he'll, he'll bring games. He's, he does a lot of play testing. He wanted me to ask you about, um, something you wrote when I, you know, I get this, yes. the, the paperwork, uh, the sort of, what do you want to talk about? So you and your fiance regularly invent games and you'd love to talk with names like, do you want to be an owl or not? What <laughs> Andy would like to know what that game is. He would, I'm, I'm so glad I would have completely forgotten to talk yeah. about these. I totally agree. Right. To, to, to start at the beginning, <laughs> I completely agree that sometimes games are overcomplicated. We get, we talked about Netrunner. My brother and I now cannot play Netrunner with, with each other because he is at such a level and has such an expanded deck that I don't even understand the moves he's making. Right. He's refined it and he's become such a sophisticated player. It would be like, you know, it's someone... You have so- to grow together. Yeah, exactly. Well, absolutely you got to have right. a buddy, absolutely maybe. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, I, and I'm a big fan of very complicated games if you're playing them with someone else who can appreciate the nuance and the subtlety of the game. Right. Um, and I can do it re- sometimes. I, I don't mean that I don't ever. We have a game called Descent into Hell that Ooh. is about Dante's uh, Inferno. Wow. And it is, there's, we've only played it once. Okay. Uh, Cause it took an hour and a half to set it up. Yeah, yeah. And it has a thousand tiny chits, but I would like to play it again. It was a gift. I want to try it again. Yeah. I, I want to think that I want, I want to be willing to be played. Absolutely. Play it. Anyway. Absolutely. So, um, so. They, I, there's, a, there's absolutely a place for those. Yeah. Some games, as we know, things like Spyfall that I mentioned and Werewolf, the joy is in the simplicity. You understand the rules in two yeah, minutes. Yeah, Cards Against the, Humanity. Yeah, absolutely. Super easy. The joy, is, and then the, the, the fun is in finding nuance yourself rather right. than going, okay, the nuance happens once I've understood disparate 70 sets of rules and, and <laughs> right. you know, changing right. conditions. There's, there's different joys in different games absolutely, is what you're yes. saying. I, yes, so, I love that. Uh, my fiance and I have, uh, a joy for making up, uh, games together, which I believe started the crucible of our relationship was <laughs> a game invented by comedians Mark Watson and Alex Horn in the UK. Okay. And this game is called No More Women, uh, which is an unfortunate name <laughs> because it's absolutely not a misogynist or gender based game at all, but I'll explain the game very quickly sure. and then I'll talk about it, the version we Is it we about the, the movie A Boy and His Dog? <laughs> anyway, so. Um, the game is simply it's a, uh, passing the time in a car, traveling sort of a game. Okay. I name any famous person, anyone, real, f- fact, fictional, uh, historical. Uh, but, a, but a name someone would know. A name someone would know. I name that person and I then name a category that they belong to and I say no more of those. So, for example, I could say Jackie Cation, no more podcasters. Oh, And now right. it's your move. You can name any person in the world, but you cannot name a podcaster. Okay. And you have to come up with a condition for them. So, for example. Um, Marie Antoinette, no more uh, crazy people. No more crazy people. Fine. But you could have gone with no more French people, no right. more, no more no, historical figures, no yeah. more, no more yeah. wig wearers. It could be anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You went with no more crazy people. So okay. as the game progresses, we have to remember no more well, podcasters, no more crazy people, 
blah, 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 until it gets very, very hard to think of people. Right. Yes. So me, so that's called. But it, ha- it has to be women? No, no, no. It's just, okay. they just picked, they, for the name of it, they could have called it No More French People. They oh, just right. picked a one. No More Women. That would have been charming too, in, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No More Women is an example of a particularly uh, devastating move because, bang, suddenly half the population, over half the population is gone from the game. Yeah, yeah. So me and my partner, when we first met each other and uh, her partner, uh, sorry, I'm sorry. Me and my partner, when we first met each other, her dad was uh, dying very slowly and horribly. And our, the beginnings of our relationship were in me wanting to make sure this person that I'd met was all right. Yeah. She went on to deal with that bereavement in the most strong, level-headed, beautiful, emotional way that I've ever seen a person deal with anything. I'm sure that was a big part of me going, oh, this... I guess we're in love. Whoa, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) For me, the icing on the cake was at that time, the way in which we would flirt with each other and correspond with with each other was I'd explain that game to her. Her Mm -hmm. eyes had lit up. And we started playing a version of it over email where we would send one message to each other and then maybe in the next day or two days we'd get back. Okay. The game very quickly... Well, they fairly quickly became when is a when is a person not a person? Because along the way, one of the moves was no more women. Mm-hmm. Then we had no more men. Ooh. And then we're like, right, what have we got? So, okay, C-3PO, male, but technically not a man. Right. So then, fine, no more robots. Okay, God, no more. What about, okay. And so then <laughs> by by weeks down the line, yeah. when is a thing not a thing? It was like, okay, the so my person would be, our as yet unborn child. Right. No more people that exist only hope, hypothetically. Do you know what I mean? So if the, I've, I've got it, I don't think I have it with me, but we have a copy of the whole hundreds Just and hundreds of moves. You know, um, they would be things like, uh, Orion, no more constellations. Ah. Because he does seem to fit the, and the rules yeah. were sort of, who, you know. Cause it's a proper name. That's it's a, a, it's a yeah. proper name, but he is neither a man nor a woman, nor right. does he exist hypothetically. He's a constellation. Yeah. So, that was that was the game, and so that really set the foundations for a joyous relationship filled with making up silly little games. Yep. So, do you want to be an owl or not? That's some quite high level silly games. I'll I'll start with if we have time. I'll start yeah. with a different one that we invented along the okay. way. This is I'm so proud of her for this. This is one of the most wonderful games ever. It's called Animal Verb. Okay. All you have to do is take turns naming an animal that's also a verb, right? What? A verb, a doing word. So, for example, <laughs> dead obvious, um, badger to badger someone. So in the infinitive, that is a nice two badger one. That's is a nice, a nice one. An animal to verb, Jackie Cation? Oh, no. Oh, no. Come on. Uh, Come on. Um, uh, ferret. To ferret, of yeah, course. To ferret go. around. Absolutely. Yep. Chicken. To chicken out. Okay. We, we sort of became a house rule that you can, anything that requires a, I don't even know the word, a participle, an yeah. out after it to, <laughs> to, 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 I mean. Okay. A, a, a horse, pop, to horse around. To horse around. Okay. Completely acceptable. Okay. It, there are so many that uh, a game. Once you've had a really good game of that, uh, yeah. another backup game is animal non-verb or non non-animal verb rather, because there are so many that it actually gets quite yeah. hard. So we played this game, and it goes on forever. And one of the lovely things about this game, as well as being an, an origination on her part, yeah. um, is that whenever you describe it to people, they always, oh, and Every I'm not time. counting you in this because uh, you are a game player, but okay. you know any random person, <coughs> excuse me, any random person will react like this what ugh mm, I don't get it what oh no I can't do it yeah oh, oh there's one ooh two seconds later they are 100% <laughs> engrossed we've played this during yes. a, a fabulous comedy show a 24 hour comedy marathon show uh, me and my partner turned up there was a yeah. hundred sleepy people in the room who'd been up for hours and hours 
We were there for an hour. We played Animal Verb with every single person in the room. Every single person eventually got one, and yeah. off the hour we left. And it was one of the That's crowning, crowning uh, performative that, moments of our relationship. That that is amazing. So what is uh? So what is uh? Do you want to be an owl or not? Or the other one? Chin decision. Chin, chin decision. decision. <laughs> the greatest okay. name in the world. Okay, we'll do chin decision first because it gets more complicated. Mm-hmm. Chin decision is a physical game which I will attempt to describe visually for your uh, listeners. Perhaps we could also vine it or something if you want. Right. Afterwards. Um, basically, I, I do this to your face. I'll do it to my own face so I can describe. Uh, I put my finger underneath your bottom lip, but above your chin. Yes. In that little groove there. Yes. And you open your mouth and close it at random. And I try and follow it with my finger, right? That's the whole of that game. <laughs> Chin decision. You're basically trying to completely... You know when you're in a relationship and you spend a lot of time with somebody, you're like, I'm going to touch your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> and we said this to our friend Hutch, and he said the the final word on Chin decision, he said, we tried to explain the game to him, we are all drunk, and he said... Um, it's not really a game, it's more of an activity. It's <laughs> much an activity. Yeah, that is uh, essentially right. spin the bottle. Uh, uh, if yeah. you're doing it with strangers, and it's so. just uh, you and a loved one, if it isn't with strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Have you played it with strangers? Uh, you, not str- not that I remember, but I'm not Have saying I haven't. Have you played it with acquaintances? At two in the morning in a festival, I couldn't swear yeah. I hadn't started doing that with a stranger. <laughs> um, but I almost disapprove. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, as well, you should. So we're we are we've been playing all these games on a particular holiday to Croatia. We invented loads of these games. And How's Croatia? Oh, it's great. Is yeah, it's really good. Okay. The, the language is unguessably weird. Their most beautiful beach is called Zlatni Rat. Not which Zlatni is, Rat. Zlatni Rat. Who wonderful. doesn't want to go to Zlatni yeah, Rat? Lovely. Get your towel. Dubrovnik, and there's a town called Hvar. H V A R. Hvar. Great. All right. Home. All right. So we're in Croatia, and we invented the game. Do you want to be an owl or not? <laughs> the point of this game yes. is so it's uh I think I don't think it's initially I don't think it has to be two player. I think the the rules of the game are it's one of those ones like the game. You're familiar with the game. You yeah. just lost the game. Oh it did. Are you familiar with that? No. <laughs> Sorry, another term, brief tangent. There is this thing, the the whole world is in on this. Okay. Um there's a website, you just lost the game.com or the game.com. Okay. Basically, uh the game is we're all as soon as you learn about the existence of the game, you are now playing the game forever. Okay. And the only way you lose the game is when you remember that the game exists. So mm. it's it's like a little like a very early meme, almost a pre-internet meme. If you could just right. write on your friend's or a post-it on your friend's wall, you just lost the game, and you just made him lose the game because he remembered the game exists. Uh, it's ridiculous. Right. So in, in a similar way, do you want to be an owl or not? Is constantly being played by anyone that knows what it is. Okay. How, how to how to explain this? I need to infer. I need to imp, sorry. You infer. I imply. I need to imply that you would rather be an owl than a human being, and the way I do that is I suggest things that you like doing. I try and work them into conversation. At any time over the rest of our lives, I might send you an email two months from now. Jackie, great to see you the other day. Um, I saw a, a tiny field mouse the other day, um, and I just thought, sort of thought that'd be the thing you'd be interested in. And also you like revolving your head 360 degrees. <laughs> and I say to email, you can't play on an email. It has to be vocal. Right. Because you, your job in order not to lose right. a round of, do you want to be an owl or not? Yeah. You have to realize that I've started playing, do you want to be an owl or not? And you need to say, I don't want to be an owl before I get to the end of my sentence. <laughs> Now this one, this one I like. Oh, it's just uh, lovely. So yes. you, you could send someone uh, a, you know. I, 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 I was be, thinking about late at night when you are always awake. You're 
I no, know. I don't want to be an owl. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's perfect. But, but exactly, it's something like that. You know, oh, it sounds like your sort of thing. Pellets, sure. pellets, field mice. No, 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 no. Exactly. No, you've got to be kind to each other. You can't right. just, you can't do pellets, you're, field mice. Right. You have to do two things. It's unfair. It's got to be it, two things, and you need to give them a chance. Otherwise, right. come on. What I think are we, I just what screamed into the for? microphone. Exactly. <laughs> Stuart so Goldsmith, I, this is amazing. I've never spoken about that on any podcast, and I'm so thrilled that the Dork yeah, Forest is the, the place for it. The Dork Forest is the place when uh, I don't want to be an owl. <laughs> I just, it, it's the ridiculous, and I'm you fairly sure yeah. she is more responsible than I am for coming up with it, which just, we're getting married next year, yes. and I love her so much. It is not for been, coming up with that game alone. Oh my god, just for, that is some numbers. Just for coming up with that. I, I know your podcast occasionally touches mine do on mental health. And it has been a, a, a rocky road to happiness. Right. I'm so happy. It's a, it's a lifesaver. That's, oh, that's man. the kind of game. The thing is, is, is whenever, cause you, you get all, you know, everybody gets in their head too much and you get sad and you get weirded out. And if you, if you can just find anyone to share something with. Absolutely. It'll, it's, it'll, I think this it'll is bring a, you back to sanity. A large part of the reason many of us became comedians is because to make people laugh fixes them. To make yeah. your family laugh dispels awkwardness, makes everyone love each other again. Certainly that's, that's my background. Very true. Very true. And, and the idea that you could you formalize that with a game such that you could, are you familiar with the Turtle Club? No. Ah, this is another little infinite game. I think it's based on a Kurt Vonnegut novel. I don't know where I've got that from. Okay. Um, if anyone ever says to you, are you in the Turtle Club? <laughs> you have to, at the top of your voice, and I'll move away from the mic, you have to go, you better ass I am! <laughs> Even if you're at your dad's funeral. You've got to do that because you're in the Turtle Club. <laughs> are you in the Turtle Club? You that's, better ass I am! That's yeah. the whole, that's, the, that's the whole club? game. And something like that, there's, there was an article in the Guardian newspaper in the UK recently about someone, some of your listeners may already be aware of this. There is a, a guy, a group of friends somewhere in America who've been playing the same game of, what would you call it? Tig, tag? Just, tag. you know, tag, you're yeah, it. Yeah, tag. They've been playing the same game of tag for over 23 years. Okay. They only play it during the month of February. And during the month of February, <laughs> everyone is fair game and there is the real shame to being it. So uh, they, there is examples. You look it up on uh, guardian.com or guardian.co.uk. Okay. You could get more information about it. I don't know the names. 23 of the, the years places. of tag on February. These February. guys are doing things like they, one of them drove 800 miles across America to hide in the trunk of his best friend's car so that he could be driven round to their other friend's house. And he'd go, look at my new car. And then he jumped out. He opened the boot and tagged him. Like, you're it. <laughs> and I think I remember that because I mentioned the dad's funeral thing. I think one yeah. of them said that was the most beautiful moment. He was at his dad's funeral. They were looking into the casket and his friend walked up behind him put his hand on his shoulder and said you're it and, and he <laughs> sympathetically said, absolutely it, and then he was like that's so wonderful <laughs> he said my dad would have my his late father would have approved would have loved that what, would have what, just, and in, what a way to enrich a, your life it's a damn gift is what that is it isn't really it? is because it's isn't it? it it really the the thing about about game design and about game mechanics is that and, and andy has this whole thing where everything's a game Everything has a game mechanic, and if you watch any interaction with anyone, you know you're in line at the at Starbucks, you're um, you're at a strip club, you're you know, and I I have a bit that I'm working on that I've, and but the 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 thing is is there is a mechanic. You're either playing or you're not playing, and sometimes you don't want to play, mm -hmm. and uh, but if you think of it as a game, you can fix it or I. 
this he's gonna love all of these games is what i'm saying Stuart Goldsmith. He's just i'm very be... glad to hear it i think the gamification of life is absolutely brilliant and essential and exciting and i think there are there are certainly challenges in my own life to do like i hate exercise i hate it i think i learned as a kid that exercise and sport made me feel uncomfortable and i'm frightened of it on some level that even as an adult i don't seem to be able to work out if i could somehow gamify i mean gamify yeah. exercise i've just invented sport you're there welcome you go. that's it um, <laughs> but if, I, if i could find the sport that i wanted to do yeah. if i could if i could make going for a run in the morning a game against myself or a game against someone else uh-huh. or a game uh-huh. with someone else then i could make myself do it you know so maybe i'll do that that's a, that's quite yeah. a good idea it's a great idea it's uh it's I, it just it gives a perspective on whatever you're doing, which I think is what comedy does for me and what sales does for my father. And so what the uh, games do for Andy is that, and I think games and, and is, is, an, is a kind of a really healthy way to do it because if you're in an, if you're in a situation that's weird, jury duty, and you just start looking at the game mechanics of it and you're like, well, is someone trying to, is someone cheating? Is yes. someone, you know, what's happening? And, uh, yes, you're that's like, fascinating. I, I, yeah. I'm sure there's, uh, there was an organization who are interested in, in gamifying things in a sort of artistic or socially interactive way. I'm sure there's a video I saw online. Jane, of- Jane somebody from, and I, what I like to do is just give the first name on a ah, podcast. That's but lovely. That's like an internet challenge. That's a game in itself. <laughs> she, uh, she talks about the social ramifications of, of games, uh, and she created some amazing games. There's, uh, she created a game, uh, what was, it was the, was it the Trail of Tears games or it was, oh, I know it was a train game where you try to load people into a train most efficiently to get them across. Hmm. And it was essentially Auschwitz. It oh was essentially God. about the Holocaust and they were historical games. And there was uh, the slave trade. She does a lot of sort of movement games. Okay. Where Which are like an art. Yeah. Like ticket to ride. Yes. Like okay. ticket to ride where you, you have the train. That's that train yes. game where you try to go the yeah, longest route. And, um, but she tries to deal with social issues yes. by creating games that recreate. And you're like, Oh, Oh, I know. It was, it was the slave trade and she was wor- working with her, her daughter came back from school and her daughter was like five or six years old and she said, what are you studying? She said, um, she called the slave trade something else uh-huh. and it was the great migration or something like that. She was like, well, that it wasn't a migration yeah. so much. And so she said, well, what was it? She was like, well, let's, and then she made a paper boat. Okay. And she had pennies and she's like, okay, so we're going to sail over to Africa. We're uh-huh. going to put all these pennies in here yeah. and then we're going to sail back to America. And, um, as you go, you run out of food and you run out of water and okay, you're going to have to do something. Not everybody's going to make it. What are you going to do with some of the pennies? Mm-hmm. Oh, and they were meeples. She had little meeples yes, and okay. it was, it was, um, there was a dad meeple and a mom meeple and a baby meeple. And she's like, mm, you're going to have to get rid of one of the meeples. She was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, you're going to have to throw the dad overboard. And the kid was like, burst into tears, which is an interesting parenting. Uh, sure. <laughs> but the lesson was amazing. Well, maybe that's how you create activists. Yeah. Right. That's how you teach people about injustice and about what it really looks like. And it was this game where she learned that sure. families, she was like, okay, so we're going to go to Africa and there's a family there, but we're, well, you could only take one. So you're just going to take mm-hmm. the baby. And you're like, well, the bait, you're not going to take the mom. And you're like, nope, can't take the mom. Mm-hmm. And then some people have to be thrown overboard. And mm-hmm. like, it was a, it was a, 
It sounded devastating. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, absolutely. But a great way to teach people about empathy and a great way to teach people about fact. And, and it, it gives you a perspective. Games always, I, I never knew that. Yes. Going into this relationship with my husband about games. Cause I had only played with my siblings and what Andy calls sibling rules mm-hmm. where he's like, I don't want to play with anyone who's playing sibling rules because they're like, Oh, you forgot to do that. You forgot to get $200 when you pass go. Well, then you don't get to do it. He's like, yeah, sure. we're trying to play a game. Yeah. I want to win too. And, and interestingly, I do play a lot of the games I play. I play with my brother. Yeah. And I have to be careful about the entrenched, uh, strata of the status of our relationships. Like from, with, from childhood. Absolutely. Because I will do things that can, that I consider to be completely normal. And look, if we're going to get the most out of our ability to both engage with this strategically, mm-hmm. we have to stick to this thing. Yeah. And he will find that extremely exasperating because he just wants to play the game. And I have to, I mean, it's, Years into our relationship, I learned two great things with my brother, two brilliant aspects of our relationship, two things I can do yeah. to make an excellent relationship even smoother. And one of them is the sentence, I apologize and respectfully withdraw. <laughs> because as a younger brother, yeah. to have your older brother, I mean, that is not something I ever did as a kid. And there were numerous occasions where I should have said, sorry, that was my fault. And right. that would have changed the course of his afternoon, you know? Right. Um, and the other one is uh, is to, I mean, he's a quite introverted person. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one is simply to sit with him and say nothing and wait for him to speak. Let and him that's almost a him. game. That's almost uh. a game. Like the game is you, walk, you go for a walk with my brother and uh, I love him. I've got so much, I see him and I'm so excited to see him and I love him so much. I want to tell him everything I'm doing in my life. Yeah. And uh, that's not how he likes to relate to me or people. So actually the game is be next to someone you love, mm-hmm. try to say nothing, mm-hmm. wait for him to come to you, wait, wait. <laughs> he will start saying something and we'll have a brilliant conversation about it and we'll right. get on really well. And it's yeah. taken me years to learn that. Yeah. And it, you know, it sounds, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'd say, I'd say this to his face that that's, that's yeah. the kind of the game I'm playing because if I don't do that, I will run in and smother him with extroversion because I'm giddy and bouncing up and down right. and I can see it turn him off and make him go, I just, oh, I don't want to Come deal on, with this. man. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. feels it's fake, you know, in the, in the way that a, a, a clucky mother will kind of, or, or a, a, a young pre stand up comedian around the dinner table will try to fill every available space with chat so that we're all getting on, aren't we guys? <laughs> and actually introverts. Yeah. Don't need that. That makes everything worse. It seems fake and, and you right, know, just overwhelming and, yeah. and they're just, and to let, and to give someone time to say the sentence that they need to say. Cause there are people, I'm a freaking chatty magoo, man. So to, to let someone finish their own sentence, that is a problem of mine. And to let someone actually, the, the idea of silence and letting them come to you with the story that they want to tell is a, a real gift. And, and that would be, one of my, th- my oldest. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to point out that I wanted to interrupt even earlier by saying I'm the same and then realized how inception like <laughs> that would be. I'm a chatty mag- I'm the same. No, no, I, ca- I never let people finish it. Me neither. <laughs> well, that's oh, quite wonderful. I have this other podcast with Lori Kilmartin about stand-up comedy. Oh yes. And she's like, will you let me finish the story? And I'm like, you are correct. You are correct. I am talking and you didn't get to. And so it is a learned because I don't know her very well. And so we are 37 hours into into a friendship, essentially. Yeah. Feel free to listen to the Jackie Laurie show and watch a friendship be born <laughs> as I how learn lovely. how to let her finish her goddamn story. <laughs> Except I've but, suddenly become hyper aware of it and I'm really noticing all the times where I'd normally go, yeah, I know, yeah, I yeah, like that and I'm just trying not to. Right, because uh, you, you think you're being supportive and 
sometimes you're not. (laughs) But it is, uh, one of my favorite things is, is my sister, um, who, who is quite honestly better than me and, and a lot, she's smarter than I am and, and, in, she has different skills and their, her skills are amazing. And one of them is she loves to cook and she's really, really good at it. And she, and so when we were in the kitchen, when we were just young, like in our 18, 20 years old, uh, she'd be like, will you, will you do this? And then sometimes she would come and, and fix how I would do something. And I'm like, okay, you can, you can either do it or you can let me do it. You can tell me exactly how you want it done. And I will try to do it that way, but you can't push me out of the way or say, I'll just do it because yep. then I'm not helping and I'm not of any use. I can just sit and watch you work. That's something. And we had that conversation of sibling conversation where you're like, Oh, I love you and I want to be friends with you, but we have, we're different people. So it's so interesting to hear you say that. Not, not only is that true of my sibling relationships, but my relationship with my partner, my relationship yeah. with my fiance, we've been living we have a baby and we have been living together while she was pregnant. But until that time, we were in, enduring and enjoying a long distance relationship for five years. We were a hundred miles apart. Wow. We made it happen. We willed it into existence despite the distance. Uh-huh. Uh, we made it happen, but we are very new to living together. And there is all the pressure of having a squealing team member there. Right. Kind of going for it. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, the first yeah. time I've said squealing team member, it's very appropriate. Very, Anyone who has a bad. baby. Yeah. Is that what you named him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, is it a girl? Boy? What is it? It's a boy. It's, it's a boy. boy. Oh, that's neat. Um, he is, he is neat. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's. How old is he? Uh, eight months, eight months tomorrow. Oh my gosh. And it is without doubt the most wonderful thing. The, uh, a frequent metaphor that I'm using, uh, telling people about parenthood, and this will probably sound, if not abrasive, it will probably sound abrupt to people who don't have children. <laughs> but I feel, I can say this to other parents. Right. So this is, I'm, I'm addressing the other parents. In the context of how we're talking about games, what I've been saying is, um, Oh, it's incredible, isn't it? When you have a baby, you realize that until you had a baby, you were playing life on safe mode. Oh, yeah. That's what I've been saying. You, you're on safe mode. It's great. I, I understand that you, the non-parent, yeah. I understand that you have problems. You've got rent to pay. There's all stuff happening. That's fine. But you are wearing an invisible suit of armor, which mm-hmm. protects all of your emotions and nerve endings mm-hmm. in a way that when you have a baby, that suit of armor is stripped away from you. Nothing is safe anymore. The tooth, the nerve is exposed. Yeah. Joy is yeah. more. Pain is more. Fear is more. Anguish is more. And that will be very annoying to anyone that doesn't have a baby. And I'm sorry, I totally respect your point. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I've been and saying to everyone, is that funny? That game of vacation thing has been in my head. I've been saying, oh, it's like, it's like I was playing life on safe mode. I'm talking right. about my own experience. I thought I was previously playing life on safe mode. Free time, resources. Right. Again, I, that's really interesting. I've been using this without thinking about it. I've also described it as parenting is like you spend all of this time setting up the mousetrap game. Okay. You know that game, yeah. the mousetrap, the yeah, boot, yeah. the thing, the net, the little mm-hmm. All that stuff, you've got that, but it's combined. It's an incredibly complex game, your life. So you've also got your armies and your reinforcements and your right. monopoly money. Uh-huh. You've made it all happen. This, It's all ticking over. It all works. It's all going towards the objective to catch the mouse. Right. And the baby turns up and tips the whole thing over and you right. go, oh, I've got to start again. Right, you got to start again because that kid just ruined everything. And yet you love it anyway. Yes. And you're just like... I'm in, I'm in, but you really fucked everything up. And so you have to rebuild that. That makes so much sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And all the time I spent before having a baby thinking, I don't know if I want to have a baby because I really like my life and I've got everything set up nicely. Mm-hmm. And I knew as soon as I have a baby, particularly as a person in the creative arts, I'm sure it's true in all sorts of ways in other people's lives. 
as soon as I have a baby, I thought the stuff that's important to me now is not going to be important to me anymore Mm -hmm. in the same way. You know, like you got you got it's a shift completely. I'm living the dream life that Mm -hmm. I dreamt about in my twenties. 39 year olds do. Sorry, we're in LA. 33 year olds do. Exactly. Has uh, (laughs) has that I, I, all of my wishes have come true. I'm traveling around the world. It's fantastic. I'm doing comedy in all these different cities. I have this wonderful podcast. I love it. Um, but now the game has changed and the rules are different. And actually yep. the rule, the main priority now is spend as much time with the baby as I possibly can. Now I knew that would change. Yep. And I liken it to, uh, the Walter White character in Breaking Bad. Okay. Who, when, uh, when the genius of that character, have you seen this? Yeah. yeah. The genius of that character is like a chess player. He changes the stakes of what's important. Mm-hmm. Someone points a gun in his face. You think there's no way he can get out of that. And mm-hmm. by saying one sentence, he changes what's important to the person who is holding the gun. Oh, interesting. And do you know what I mean? So they yeah. always reminded me of that. And because, you know, the writers all tell you, I listened to them in a, in a right. writing podcast. They said the reason he's a genius is that he can do things in one second that it takes. We paint him into a corner and we spend two weeks, a room full of writers spends a fortnight going, how can we get him out of it? Yeah. And he can make that decision in one second. Right. But it's about, let's, when you play chess, this is important. This is important. I've endangered your king. Mm-hmm. I'm going to win. And then you put your queen there and suddenly the whole stakes are changed. Right. And that's like parenting before, yeah. you know, the stakes are completely different now. So, before I was like, I don't want the stakes to change because all this stuff's important to me. All right. my, my potential fame and my right. potential enjoyment, that's all important to me. I don't want that stuff to stop being important to and me. And you knew it and was of course, coming. And I knew it was coming. And then that stuff's not important to me so much anymore. You know, I need yeah. a career and stuff. It's all important, but differently. And, um, and it's so weird to think, do you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's like the, I totally get that. The, I knew that my opinions on what was important would change, but I still feared it. Why yes. would you fear it? Because it's your opinions. Right. You work towards a thing and then the game changes like Flux. The card yep. game Flux, the world's least comprehensible card game. <laughs> you play the child card and suddenly yes. the winning conditions are reversed. Yep. Suddenly you've got to get rid of all your cards and, you know, yep. and it's fair it's, enough. It's wonderful. That's a perfect way to end it too. Cause, uh, uh, Stuart Goldsmith, this was a delight. Thank you were you. a delight. I've enjoyed and it enormously. People should see, uh, they should go to Comedians Comedian. They should get the pod on, uh, on iTunes. That Tim Minchin one is a good one to start with. It's you a think? good, it's a good one. There's a really interesting one. I mean, the, the Minchin one hasn't gone out yet, so I feel dodgy, uh, advertising oh, right. that one. There's a recent one with Bill Burr where right. I have a really interesting heated debate with Mr. Burr about whether or not privilege exists. And it was a very exciting, yeah. challenging kind of a thing because he doesn't believe that privilege is a thing. And uh, I That's held my ground. That's a super privileged uh, place to come from. Isn't it really? So, <laughs> it's all working but out for you, Bill. It's, it's a really, it's a really, I'm very proud of that interview. And I think it's a really good example of the sort of thing I do. Plus, yeah. your listeners are predominantly American, I'm sure. So it'll be someone they've heard of. Right. And do you, do you have one with Stuart Lee? And not yet, but okay. uh, I've spoken to him about it and we're going to put something together hopefully in the next few months. I've got uh, episode 200 is in the, in the middle distance and I'm okay. quite, that would, I would think that would be an appropriate one. Stuart, thank you so much for doing the show. Uh, Rangers, you all know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?